The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, raise a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Having succeeded in forcing his inventor uncle, Dr. Roebling, to sign away all rights to a secret voice machine, Jack Roebling and his blonde wife, Chicky, flee modern city in a blue roadster, leaving Dr. Roebling half-dazed in a barren tenement room. But Clark Kent, driving to a tenement with Lois Lane, stops for a red light and, recognizing the roadster, follows it. On the open road outside the city limits, Kent jams the accelerator down to the floorboard and grips the wheel hard. Roaring into the night, his keen eyes watch the twin taillights gleaming ahead of him. After all, there must be hundreds of blue roasters on the road. I'm positive, Lois. I told you I saw the blonde, Catherine Roebling, sitting next to the driver. Probably her husband. His name's Jack. What, she called him over the phone. There's only one thing that worries me. What? They're doing 80 now. I can't get any more out of this car. The accelerator's down as far as it'll go. Chuck, curve ahead. Yeah, I see it. Hold on. Oh, boy. I hope they don't come any sharper than that. Thank you. We've lost them, haven't we? Huh? Can't see their tail light. Well, there must be another curve up ahead. Yes, there is. Not a bad one, though. Oh, I see them now. This is the road to Metropolis, isn't it? Uh-huh. That must be where they're headed. But but what happened to Dr. Roblin? There was just a man and a woman in the roadster. Well, either they left him behind or... Or what? Or he's in the rumble seat. You mean dead? Yes. Oh, they couldn't do anything like that. Well, she's his daughter. I don't think she is, Lois. There may be some relation, but I'm sure it's not that close. Clark, you seem to be pulling away from us. I know, but there's nothing I can do about it. Try to force this pedal down further. We're doing 82. Okay, sit tight. I'll give her all she can take. Jack. Stop worrying, Chicky. But I don't like it. Suppose it's a cop. So we get a ticket. But he might ask questions. Oh, oh. now look, don't worry. I know all the answers. $50 fines for speeding don't bother me anymore. 
Why, baby, you know what that paper you've got in your handbag is worth. Plenty. I'll believe it when I see it. Why, what are you talking about? It's in the bag. That machine is insured for ten million. I heard he was offered twice that for it. Twenty million? Yes. Well, why didn't he take it? Uh, because he's a crackpot, that's why. He's giving it to the government for nothing. Not now he isn't. It belongs to us. Ah, right you are, baby. That car's still behind us, Jack. Oh, forget it. Think about what you're going to buy first. The mink coat or a couple of dozen fancy dresses. What's it going to be, Chicky? Oh, I don't know. There's time for that. Well, what about this voice machine, Jack? We got the papers, but how are we going to get the machine? I took care of that. I got the key to his place in Metropolis. You don't miss a trick, do you? Not many. What does this voice machine do, Jack, that makes it available? Well, I never could find out exactly. I guess maybe it's like a radio, only something special. Oh, what's the difference? If anybody wants to pay $20 million for it, there must be something to it. We'll find out soon enough. We should hit Metropolis by morning. Yep, Chicky. In 24 hours, we'll be millionaires. With its powerful motor wide open, the roadster flies over the white ribbon of highway, its brilliant headlights cleaving the darkness. Meanwhile, a quarter of a mile behind, Clark Kent and Lois Lane seem to have run into trouble. What's wrong, Clark? I don't know. Motor's missing. Oh, great Scott. What is it? We're running out of gas. Wasn't the tank full? I guess not. Well, that's the end of it. Now what do we do? Well, I think I saw a house right around the bend. I can probably call a gas station from there and have them deliver five gallons. Well, you might as well say goodbye to the Blue Roadster. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Do you mind waiting here, Lois? I'll run up to the house and make the call. I don't mind if you hurry. I will. Not only won't I say goodbye to the Blue Roadster, but I'll be saying hello to it in just a few minutes. A nice big Superman hello. Hey, I'm around the bend now. Lois can't see me. This is one job I'm going to tackle in full Superman costume. Lucky I've got it on under this suit. There we are. I can leave Kent's clothes behind this bush and pick them up later. Up! Up! And away! Red cloak streaming in the wind, Superman is off like a bullet through the darkness, his surging flight carrying him forward faster almost than the eye can follow. Passing over the blue roadster, he drops down on the highway a mile ahead of it. Looks like we lost the car that was following us, Jack. Yeah, I figured we would. We're doing 90. This crate sure can travel. Hey, Jack, look. What's that up ahead in the middle of the road? I don't know. It's a man, isn't it? I think so, but well, what's he doing on the road? Fool, why doesn't he move? I'll slow down, Jack. I'm not slowing for anything. You're in. Jack, look out! Ah, good thing he got out of the way. We'd have smeared him all over the road. Gee, I thought sure you were going to hit him. Did you see what he was wearing? Yeah, it looked like a red cape. That's what I thought. Hey, what's happening? It's slowing down. No, it can't be. We're stopping. Well, that's crazy. The motor's racing. It won't be for long. Pardon me while I reach in and turn the ignition key. What? Hey, what's the big idea? Who are you? Get out of the car, both of you. No, wait a minute. I'm not in the habit of waiting. Get out. Come on, make it fast. All right, I'll help you out. 
You're breaking my arm. That's only a sample. Come on, Miss Roebling. I'm coming. That's better. Jack, it's the fellow with a cape. The one who was on the road. No, we're seeing things. It can't be. You're not seeing things. What's your name? Jack Roebling. She your wife? Yes. Do you know Dr. Walter Roebling? Yes, he's my uncle. I see. So that's the story. What story? I don't know any story. I'm afraid you know it all too well. No doubt you helped this clever young woman get your uncle off the train. Not quite certain what your game is, but I can imagine it isn't on the level. Jack, here's the gun. Put your hands up or I'll shoot. <laughs> Do you think that little pearl-handled toy frightens me? Get your hands up or I'll let you have it. Better toss that cap pistol in the bushes or I might lose my temper. Go ahead. Stand back. Toss it in the bushes. Stand back, I said. Too bad you couldn't see those bullets bounce off my chest. It's a pretty sight. Jack! Jack! He's still standing! Well, six shots. That means the gun's empty. Now what are you going to do? Oh, no, you don't. Stay with us. We like your company. Let go of me. Let go of me. I think I'll have to quiet you down. That's better. Sorry I had to put your husband to sleep, Mrs. Roebling, but he's better off that way. Now, stop whimpering. Nothing's going to happen to you. Get in the car. We'll just dump this lovely specimen of manhood into the rumble seat. Provided it's empty. Let's see. Yes. All right, in you go. Now, Mrs. Roebling, before we drive back and I turn you and your husband over to an old friend of yours, Clark Kent, I have a few questions I'd like answered. I didn't do anything. Honestly, I didn't. I know exactly what you did. Where's Dr. Roebling? Back in Martin City. Where in Martin City? 218 State Street? Yes. How did you know? That's my business, finding things out. Why did you and your husband take Dr. Roebling off the train? What were you after? It was old Jack's idea. He knew about his uncle's boy's machine. He wanted to get the rights to it. He made me help him. I see. All right. I'll deliver both of you to Mr. Kent, and Mr. Kent can deliver you to Dr. Roebling and the police. way back to Metropolis, you have a number of things to explain, my friend. Okay, what's bothering you, Lois? In the first place, why are we going home by train instead of using the car? Well, it would have taken too much time to get it from where we left it on the road. One of the garage men is driving it back. All right. Now, where did you find Jack Roebling and his wife? Just around the bend in the road. They had a flat. He pulled a gun on me and I had to knock him out. And yet, all the way back to Marden City, the blonde babbled about being attacked by a giant in a red cape. Oh, she was hysterical, Lois. What's more important is that we got those assignment papers for Dr. Roebling and probably the biggest feature story of the year. What do you mean? Well, you know, I just walked back to Dr. Roebling's drawing room to see whether he was all right. He's yeah. resting comfortably. You know what he told me? What? That only two people in the world, government officials, had ever been given a demonstration of his voice machine. Clark Kent, are you out of your mind? Huh. Is that what you call the biggest feature story of the year? Patience, Miss Lane, patience. At 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Dr. Roebling is going to demonstrate the machine to you, Mr. White, and myself. And because of what we did for him, the Daily Planet will be the first newspaper in the world to reveal his secret. What is the secret? We'll find out at 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Yes, what is the closely guarded secret of Dr. Roebling's voice machine? A secret so precious that only two government officials are aware of it. There must be some startling reason for the machine being insured for $10 million. A reason all of us will know if we tune in on the next episode of Superman. Don't miss it. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Oh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh. It's the Loop Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loop Crate, the Loop Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loop Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Having prevented an unscrupulous nephew from stealing the rights to Dr. Roebling's secret voice machine... Clark Kent has earned the elderly inventor's undying gratitude, and as a result has been given the much-sought-after privilege of witnessing a demonstration of the machine, together with Lois Lane and Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. It is now five o'clock, the hour fixed for the demonstration. Kent, Lois, and Editor White are assembled in the basement laboratory of Dr. Roebling's home, an ancient mansion on the outskirts of Metropolis. On a table in front of them is a huge box resembling a radio, but adorned with an imposing array of dials and gauges. Dr. Roebling is talking. Listen. Now, before I start the demonstration, I want once again to express my appreciation to you, Miss Lane, and to you, Mr. Kent, for your invaluable assistance to me. Mr. White, you may well be proud of your employee. Don't pile it on too thick, Dr. Roebling. They'll be asking for substantial increases. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they do, they deserve it. And now to the business at hand. Uh, You know what happens when you throw a stone into a pool of water? It's... It makes a circle of little waves that keep traveling further and further out until they just disappear. That's correct, Miss Lane. Now, the same principle applies to the spoken word. The moment my voice leaves my lips, it sets up a series of vibrations or sound waves that strike your eardrums and are immediately translated into the words that I've spoken. Does radio communication work the same way, Dr. Roebling? In a similar manner, Mr. White. Uh, but now we'll go one step further. 
it's always been believed that unless sound waves are captured immediately, they're forever lost. Uh, let me explain. Assume that none of you were in this room at the moment. Uh, I'm alone. And I say, one, two, three, four, five. However, since none of you is within what we call listening distance or earshot, you cannot hear me. Now, five minutes later, you enter the room. Do you think you would hear what I had said five minutes before? Of course not. That's impossible. Well, they said radio was impossible, Lois. Yes, and travel by air. Nothing is impossible, Miss Lane. I have definitely proven that sound waves never vanish. Unfortunately, your ear is not a sensitive enough mechanism with which to pick them up once most of their force has been used. And that is where my voice machine comes in. You mean your machine can pick up voices no matter when they were created? Yes, Mr. White. Now, I'll demonstrate. Uh, you recall a few minutes ago I said that you could be proud of your two employees, Miss Lane and Mr. Kent. Uh, what was your reply? Oh, now, let's see. Uh, he said not to pile it on too thick or we'd ask for salary increases. Uh, yes, that was it. Now, I'll turn the machine on and see whether we can pick up that sentence, Mr. White. Now, I turn this directional dial to the approximate location of this room. And I adjust this gauge to the exact time when the sentence was spoken, uh, which I noted on a stopwatch while we were talking, by the way. I uh, throw this switch and now see what happens. Don't pile it on too thick, Dr. Rolfing. They'll be asking what for the chance of increases. <laughs> well, there you are. It's amazing. What? I can't believe my ears. Well, now, let's try it with something that you said, Miss Lane. I particularly noted your answer to one of my questions. Uh, what happens when you throw a stone into a pool of water? Why, well, yes, I said... Now, don't tell me what you said. Let the voice machine do that. Now, all we have to do is to set the time gauge and throw the switch. Make a circle of little waves that keep traveling further and further out until they just disappear. Dr. Robin, this is incredible. But now you can see why I vow that never will this device be placed in private hands. Why, with your voice machine, war would be eliminated. It would be ridiculous for one nation to plot against another because the very plot could be exposed for all the world to hear. And a world such as well, Abraham Lincoln dreamed of would actually become a reality. Your enthusiasm is very gratifying, Mr. Kent. Uh, you spoke of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, would you like to hear his Gettysburg address? Oh. Is that possible? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we have the exact time and place. It was 10 o'clock in the morning on November 10, 1863, at the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. Now, at a moment, I'll adjust the dials and gauges. Kent, we're witnessing man's greatest creation. The most thrilling thing I've ever experienced. Now, uh... I think we're ready, gentlemen, and Miss Lane. Now, I'll throw the switch. What was that? Why, I don't think... Oh, why, of course, of course. It's the sound of a crowd of people gathered there to hear the... Uh, listen, listen. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in is a great really Lincoln talking? Civil war. Uh, I'll turn the volume down. But it's his voice, Miss Lane. Of course, Lincoln has been dead for more than 75 years, but his voice lives on, and it will live on forever. Dr. Roebling, I want to shake your hand and congratulate you. Well, thank you, Mr. White. I want to add my congratulations to Mr. White, Dr. Roebling. And mine as well. Why, it's a miracle, that's all it is. Well, you're all very kind, and I thank you again. Now I have 
Just one favor to ask. Name it, and it's yours. Well, I told you that I would give the Daily Planet the first opportunity to tell the complete story of the voice machine. Yes. Well, I don't intend to go back on that promise. Good. However, I'm going to ask you to wait just a few days until this model, the only one in existence, can be delivered to the government. Why, of course we'll wait. And now, if you don't mind, Doctor, I'd like to hear the rest of Lincoln's address. Well, certainly, certainly. I'll turn the volume up. That we here highly resolve that the dead shall not have died in vain. That the nation shall, under God, have a new birth of freedom. And that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Imagine standing here and, and listening to Lincoln's voice delivering those immortal words. Well, I, I can't find enough adjectives to describe it, Doctor. It's, it's just stupendous. Uh, now I can see the service that Kenton Lewis did for you in rounding up that crooked nephew of yours. Uh, what happened to them eventually, uh, he and his wife? I assume you turned them over to the police. Well, no, Mr. White, I didn't. Hmm? To my knowledge, it's the boy's first mistake. I couldn't bring myself to give him a police record. But I think he's learned a lesson. Mm, I hope so. Well, I've got to get back to the office. Uh, what about you, Kent? Lois? We'll go back with you, Mr. White. I'll call you in a day or two, Dr. Roebling, and thanks again. Well, that's quite all right. Now, here, I'll lead you up. Well, Lois, Kent, you two have the opportunity of a lifetime to write the greatest story ever written about the greatest Having witnessed the demonstration that left them spellbound, Kent, Lois, and Perry White leave Dr. Roebling's huge house in the suburbs and drive into town pledged to temporary secrecy concerning the amazing machine that snatched the voice of Lincoln, the great emancipator, out of the air and made it live and breathe again. But unknown to any of them, including the elderly inventor, shifty eyes are watching their departure from behind the hedge surrounding the property, the eyes of Jack Roebling. Crouched beside him is his blonde wife, Chicky. As the taillights of Perry White's car vanish in the distance, Jack Roebling stands erect. Okay. He's alone now. Come on. Oh, Jack, you're mad. Please don't do it. If they catch you this time in jail for a long stretch. Nobody's going to catch me. Oh, that's what you said before, and look what happened. He could have sent us up for five years, but he let us go. What more do you want? Now listen to me. I'm the only living relative he's got. He's old, and he'll kick off soon. But unless he's got dough, what good will it do me? Oh, I don't know, Jack. Why take any chances? I'm not taking any chances. The machine won't do me any good now. Couldn't sell it if I had it, now that those newspaper mugs know what happened. But it's insured for ten million smackers. That means if I bust it up, the old man is rich. And I'm his only living relative. You're crazy if you think he'll leave it to you. He won't have to leave it. He's got no will and he'll never have one. That dough will be mine, every cent of it. Come on, we're wasting time. Oh, Jack, please don't do it. Come on, I said. I know this house like a book. My old man used to bring me here when I was a kid. Laboratories down in the basement. And there are three windows to it at the back of the house. This way. Jack, please. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. Now, wait a minute. Hold up. Keep down. There he is on the second floor. In this library. He'll hear you trying to get into the basement and call the police. No, he won't. Floors in that house are three feet thick. Come on. But keep low. You got the hacksaw? Yeah. You see? He's got iron bars on the window. 
Give it to me. Oh, for the last time. I yes. told you to shut up. If you don't like it, scram. All right. I will. Come back here. You're in this up to your neck, so sit tight. But I don't want any part of it. Your uncle treated you better than you deserved. And now you're knifing him in the back. Since when are you getting so touchy? Your hands aren't so clean. I know it. I don't want to get them any dirty. You'll get them as dirty as mine and like it. When you hand over that saw. Five bars. Ah, this won't take long. Go on. You keep an eye out and let me know if you see anyone. And don't cross me if you know what's good for you. Where's the can of oil? In your pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got it. Now, let's see how this saw works. Ah, perfect. In a half hour, this window will be wide open. With sharp steel teeth biting into the yielding metal, it'll only be a matter of time before the iron bars guarding the precious voice machine will be no more. And then what? Will Jack Roebling go through with his diabolical plan to destroy the machine and thereby rob the world of its most startling invention? Don't miss the next episode. There's a thrill a minute with Superman. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. Bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. As you remember, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and editor Perry White were amazed witnesses to a private demonstration of Dr. Walter Roebling's secret voice machine, a highly sensitive instrument able to pick up and magnify sounds unheard by the human ear, even the voices of those long dead. Thrilled by the demonstration, Kent, Lois, and Perry White returned to the Daily Planet building, convinced that Dr. Roebling's machine could well be used to join the countries of the world in a permanent bond of peace. But none of them was aware that even as their car left the elderly inventor's house in the suburbs, that Jack Roebling, his dishonest nephew, would made one attempt to gain possession of the voice machine, was hiding behind a hedge, waiting for the opportune moment to break into his uncle's basement laboratory, and out of revenge, destroy the only existing working model. With him is his blonde wife, Chicky. At the moment, under cover of darkness, Jack Roebling is using a hacksaw to cut through the iron bars guarding one of the basement windows. Can't work this blade too fast. She heats up. How's it look, Chicky? Nobody's coming. Jack, why won't you listen to me? What'll this get you? Maybe ten years in jail, that's all. Who asked you? Oh, wait a minute, Jack. Let go my arm. Listen to me, Jack. Just give me a chance to say a few things, and, and then if you want to go ahead, okay. All right, talk fast. We haven't got all night. Remember when you first told me about your uncle and the machine he was inventing? Yeah, I remember. 
So what? Well, you told me he was no good. You said he was out of his head. A uh, crackpot, that's what you called him. That's what he is. Well, anyway, you talked me into helping you take his invention away from him. Because the way you told it, it belonged to you, by the way. What are you driving at? Justice, Jack. We tried to get it from him, and we were caught. He could have sent us both up for five years. He didn't. He turned us loose because he didn't want you to have a police record. And no guy who does that, Jack, can be so bad. Ah, he's still a crackpot. Well, what if he is? He never hurt you, did he? Oh, can the chatter. I got work to do. Well, one more thing, Jack. You're going to cut through those bars. You're going to climb into the basin and bust up your uncle's voice machine. All I want to know is, what'll it get you? Just what I want. Revenge and the ten million bucks the machine is insured for. You haven't got a chance at the ten million, Jack. And you know it. That means you're going to knife an old man who did you a good turn just for revenge. Well, I'm not. What's that? I said I'm not. I don't want any part of it. Wait a minute. Did I hear right? You heard perfectly. I've done some things I'm not very proud of, but this is one thing I won't do. Oh, no? No. So long. Come back here. Sorry, I'm pulling out. Yeah, I'm warning you. Come back. Okay, you little double-crosser. This'll stop you. Where is she? I'm sure I hit her. Chicky. Chicky. That's funny. Chicky. I don't get this. Well, one thing I know. She can't take the car. I got the keys. Maybe I missed her. Okay, let her hike into town. That'll give me time to finish the job here. Guess the old man didn't hear those shots. I thought they were backfires. And no time to waste now. Which window is it? Oh, here. Okay. Four more bars to go. Oh, come in, Kent. Close the door. Here's the report you wanted on the demonstration of Dr. Roebling's voice machine. I don't think I left anything out. Good. I wanted that down on paper while it was fresh in your mind. Kent, that was the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Imagine standing in that basement room on the outskirts of Metropolis and listening to Abraham Lincoln delivering the Gettysburg Address. Oh, it's like a dream. Yes, it certainly is. I can't wait to break the story, Kent. It's the scoop of the century. Oh, incidentally, uh, did you understand Dr. Roebling's explanation of how the machine works? Oh, yes, it's simple enough. You remember what Dr. Roebling said about dropping a stone into a pool of water? Yes, it makes waves. That's right, and so does sound, sound waves. Dr. Roebling's theory was that these sound waves never completely disappear. That if he could develop a receiver sensitive enough to pick them up, he could recreate the sound no matter when it occurred. And he's done it. And that's just the way I want you to write the story the moment Roebling gives us the go-ahead. Simple, you know, so everyone can understand it. Uh-huh. Very wise speaking. Who? Oh, hold on. To you, Kent. Oh, thank you. Hello? Yes, this is Clark, Kent. What? A young woman. I see. Yes, yes, I... All right, I'll, I'll be there in five minutes. Thank you. What's the trouble? You look worried. Well, that was the city hospital. A woman was just brought in, an emergency case. She keeps asking for me. Well, that's funny. Yeah. I'd better get down there. No telling what it might be. No, I'll go with you. Okay. Meet me at the elevator.
This is the room, gentlemen, but before we go in, I'd like to tell you what we know of the case. That's a very good idea, Doctor. Uh, according to the police, the motorist picked this girl up on Metropolis Boulevard. I see. She was semi-conscious with a bad bullet wound in her back. How she ever managed to stay on her feet is a mystery. She was brought here and will be operated on within the hour. She's conscious now and keeps repeating your name, Mr. Kent. Yes? We have no means of identifying her and thought possibly you might supply some clue. Oh, I'll do my best. Good. We shall go in. Get Clark Kent. Get Clark Kent. You see? I'll close Kent. the door. Get Clark Kent. I know the girl. Her name is Catherine Roebling. Who's there? Is it Clark Kent? Uh, you may go over to the bed. All right. I'm here, Miss Roebling. Oh, Mr. Kent. They found you. Yes, I came the moment they called. Come close. It's hard to talk and... Wasn't much time. All right. Jack, my husband, he, he, he trying to... Uh, try to... <coughs> Just take it easy, Miss Roebling. <laughs> Who did this to you? Listen, this is important. Jack is trying to break into his uncle's laboratory. What did you say? Yes, he, he's soaring through the iron bars on the basement window. What? He, he wants to wreck the voice machine. How do you know? Oh, I know, believe me, I know. You gotta hurry. There isn't much time. Hurry. Let's hurry. Let's stop him. She just told me something that makes it necessary for me to leave at once, Doctor. I'll be back. Emergency oh, wait a minute, Kent. I'll go with you. You better not, Mr. White. This may be dangerous. I said I'll go with you. Okay, come on. You say this is the same nephew who forced Dr. Roebling to sign over all rights to the voice machine? Yes, that girl in the hospital is his wife. Who shot her? She didn't say, but I think I can piece it together. Evidently, she refused to help her husband break into Dr. Roebling's laboratory to destroy the voice machine. You mean you think her husband shot her? I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Hold on, we make a turn here. Boy, that dirty rat. Roebling should have tossed him into jail the first time. Yeah. Kent, I hope we're not too late. Do you know what it means if that machine's wrecked? I know. Oh, Roebling's an old man. He'll never live long enough to rebuild it. Well, maybe we're not too late. There's the house up ahead. I'd better park on the driveway. Come on, Mr. White. Where to? Well, she said he was sawing the bars on a basement window. Now, wait a minute. Hold up. There's the window. See it with the bars missing? Yes. Come on. Don't touch that machine, Roebling. It's value your life. Who's there? Never mind. Don't touch that machine. I've got a gun and I'm coming to the window shooting. Get around to the front of the house, Mr. White. Find Dr. Roebling and have him call the police. Hurry! Okay, be careful. I said I'm coming to the window shooting. Stand back. I think it's high time Superman took over. Roebling! Look out, mister. Evidently you don't recognize my voice, Roebling. I'm not kidding, mister. Neither am I. I'm going to give you one chance to toss that gun out of the window and follow it yourself. Just one chance. Ha! Here's what I think of you. Here's what I think of you. Here's what I think of you. All right, you've had your chance. Now I get mine. That gun won't help you. Nothing can help you now. You won't get me. Not until I smash this machine into a thousand pieces. What? I warned you about that. Now you'll suffer for it. Ah! Let me go. Let me go. I'll let you go into dreamland. Mr. King. Mr. King. 
better switch back to Kent in a hurry. Kent, where are you? Down here, Mr. White. Turn on the light, Mr. Kent. Pull the cord over the table. What happened? There. You can see for yourself. Good grief. The machine. Your nephew smashed it. I was a split second too late. My wash machine. It's ruined. Completely ruined. It's just ruined. Tears of sympathy form in the eyes of Clark Kent and Perry White as they watch the elderly gray-haired inventor stand before the twisted mass of steel and wires that was once a monument to his genius. Dazed and bewildered, he turns away from the wreckage, shoulders bowed and head hung low. Gently, Clark Kent touches his arm. There may be some way of repairing it, Dr. Roebling. No. No, it's ruined. Forever. Is the amazing voice machine completely destroyed? Has the blind, revengeful fury of one man robbed the world of its most valuable method of communication... There are strange developments to come in this thrilling story, so follow every exciting episode. Listen in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, place a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Dr. Walter Roebling's amazing voice machine was smashed by his vengeful nephew... The elderly inventor expressed the feeling that the damage could never be repaired. The machine, a mass of twisted steel and tangled wires, had been struck a savage blow with an iron crowbar and seemed to be ruined. After Dr. Roebling's nephew had been turned over to the police and Editor Perry White had gone back to the Daily Planet office, Kent looked on in the basement laboratory of the inventor's suburban home as Dr. Roebling's trembling fingers attempted to make order out of chaos. Far into the night, he watched the intricate mechanism slowly take shape and form. The hours slipped by, and the first gray light of daybreak appeared in the east. Somewhere in the house, the clock struck five. No, Kent, I'm, I'm afraid it's a hopeless task. Why do you say that, Dr. Roebling? Well, when I built the machine, Kent, I, I worked for the set of diagrams, but, but I was afraid... Once it was finished, that somehow the diagrams might fall into the hands of the wrong people. And, and so I, I destroyed them. I, I burned them in the fireplace. And now, as a result, everything I do must be done from memory. Oh, sure, that doesn't hinder you. My memory doesn't serve me as well as it used to, Kent. Now, this wire, for instance. I can't recall in which terminal the other end belongs. 
Well, if one doesn't work, try the other. There are 9,000 connections in this machine. 9,000 chances to be wrong. No, but I'm right the first time or it's hopeless. Dr. Roebling, you could... Is that electric drill, please? Oh. Here, sir. Yeah, thank you. Just think that a split second of madness could destroy a lifetime of work. Just one split second... Well, Doctor, does it work now? No, Kent. No. I've checked everything a dozen times. The trouble is, I don't remember. If only I could remember, but it's no use. It's no use. But you can't give up now, Doctor. Another hour or two may bring success. All right, Kent, I'll... I'll try just once more. Just once. Nine o'clock. Still no luck, Doctor? No, Kent. I tell you, it's no use. Listen. Dr. Roebling. Is it all right? Wait. Wait, I'll set the direction dial to the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. Here. And and the time dial to 10 a.m. November 10th, 1863. There. Now, if we pick up Lincoln's... Lincoln's Gettysburg address the way we did this afternoon. The machine's fixed. Pray, Kent. Pray, I'm throwing the switch. There's the murmur of the crowd. Yes. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers... It works, Dr. Roebling. You fixed it. Listen to Lincoln's voice, clear as a bell. Well, there must be a kindly providence watching over me, Ken. A very kindly providence. Do you mind if I shut it off? My head's dropping. No, of course not. Now we... Kent, I don't know how to thank you for your help tonight. I was in your debt before, and now that debt can never be repaid. Nonsense, Dr. Roebling. The mere fact that you're going to let my newspaper publish the first story about your voice machine is sufficient payment for everything. But, uh... I meant to ask you a question, Doctor. Yes? Something concerning the machine. Since I'm going to do the story, I'd like to know as much about it as possible. I know you're tired, but I'm sure you won't mind answering just one question. Oh, no, no, of course not. Well, you demonstrated how it was possible by setting the time and direction dials of the voice machine to pick up sound waves no matter when they were created. That is, as long as you knew the time and place, the rest was easy. Well, what I'd like to know is whether the machine, if set for, oh, well, say... Seven minutes after ten, the exact time it is now, and directed to, let's say, the city of Metropolis, would automatically pick up any and all conversations taking place at this moment throughout the city? Well, that's a very sensible question, Mr. Kent. Uh, now, to begin with, the, the direction dial cannot be set for the entire city, since that covers too wide an area. Oh, I see. It can, however, be set for the exact center of the city. Oh. And you can take your chances on whatever sounds are being produced at that location at the moment. Oh. But, but now, uh, just a minute, I'll show you. Oh, don't bother now, Doctor. Some other time. No, no, it won't take but a few seconds. Now, let's see. It's exactly seven and a half minutes after ten. 
There, that takes care of the time dial, and now the direction. Yeah, there. Now, something should happen when I throw the switch. Oh, sounds like traffic noise. Exactly what it is. We're tuned into a street corner. Wait, I'll change the direction. What's that? Well, I believe it's a train. Well, you're right. We're at the railroad station. Yeah, well, let's try again. Now, here, I'll turn the direction dial just five points. All right, boys, sit down. Here's something. Here's a meeting of some kind. You must be wondering what I got you down here for at this hour of the morning. Yeah, I get the hay at six o'clock. A guy's got a sleep phone. He's talking about it. Yeah, Charlie, this is serious business. You all know what happened to Benson. He got fucked. And they're holding him for questioning. Hey, this sounds interesting, Dr. Robling. He's liable to talk, and if he does, it'll be pretty bad for all of us. What are you going to do? I'm coming to that. Keep your shirt on. If Benson talks, we're all in the suit, including the big guy, and he don't like the idea at all. Okay. So something's got to be done about it. Fast. What are you driving at, Yeah. Somebody's got to get Benson before he opens his trap and shut it for him. Permanent. You hear that, Dr. Roebling? Yes, but what does it mean? Wait a minute. One of you boys is elected. Any volunteer? <laughs> I can almost see the yellow running off your spine. Well, that's a tough job, Duke. Benson's in jail. How many would get to him? That's up to the lucky guy. He'll have to find a way. All right, since I figured none of you brave boys is going to step up and take the job, I rigged up another way of doing it. You see this hat? It's got seven slips of paper in it. One for each. Six of them are blank, but the seventh is marked with a black cross. The guy who gets the black cross does the job. They're drawing lots to commit a murder. Well, hadn't we better notify the police? No, wait this time. Listen. Okay, can the chatter. I'll pass the hat around. Everybody take a slip of paper, just one. Don't open it until I tell you. Take one left in. White. Red. Curly. Take. Come on, Trigger. Joe. And you get the last one, Spud. Dr. Robling. Now, before you open them, get this straight. There's no backing out. Understand? The guy who gets the black cross does the job. Go ahead, open. I got it. Take it easy, Curly. Now, the rest of you guys clear out. And not a word about this to anyone. Beat it. Hi, heaven, Mr. King. Wait a minute. He's dialing a phone number. This is oh. amazing, Dr. Roblin. Simply amazing. Hello? What are you getting for fish today? Okay, Chief. Everything's all set. Yeah. I'll be there. Hello. I gotta go now, Curly. Meet me at the club in two hours. Yeah. Okay. Guess that's all we're going to hear. Yes, I'm afraid so. Might as well turn the machine off. Uh, what do you make of it, Kent? It's all very simple. Benson, whoever he is, is a marked man, despite the fact that he's in jail. 
We know two names, Duke and Curly. The rest is shrouded in mystery. Well, you should be able to trace Benson easily enough. Yes, that won't be difficult. He can be protected for the time being. But why are they out to get him? And who was the big guy they referred to? Oh, well, I'll take that up with the police and the district attorney. Don't you worry about it, Dr. Roebling. Just keep the direction dial set where it is. We may hear more later. Well, it's strange, but I never realized the voice machine could be used to prevent crime. Doctor, that machine can rebuild civilization. Boy, what's that? That sounds like a police car stopping in your driveway. But shall we go upstairs? Oh, I think we'd better. Wait, someone's banging on the front door. I'll see who it is. Just a minute. Okay, buddy, get him up. Well, this is a surprise. Do the Metropolis police point their guns at everyone this early in the morning? I don't get why. Uh, what's the matter, Kent? Uh, why are these policemen pointing guns oh, at you? Are you Clark Kent? Yes. Well, you're under arrest. What? What's the bracelet on him, Clancy? Well, as Kent himself said only a moment ago, this is a surprise. What possible reason can there be for arresting the Daily Planet reporter? Is it at all likely that the strange turn of events is somehow connected with what Kent and Dr. Roebling just heard over the voice machine? Whatever it is, it's bound to be exciting. So don't fail to be with us next time. Listen in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Having repaired the damage inflicted on his voice machine, Dr. Roebling, in the presence of Clark Kent, tries out the instrument. 
By accident, he tunes in to what is evidently a meeting of racketeers. A meeting at which a man is chosen by lot to commit a murder. Amazed at what the voice machine has revealed, Kent and Dr. Roebling climb the basement steps to the first floor of the house, just as a police squad car pulls into the driveway. Kent opens the front door, only to be faced by two officers with drawn guns, who, when they learn his name, place him under arrest. An hour later, editor Perry White, having heard what happened to his star Daily Planet reporter, storms into the office of District Attorney Warren, foaming at the mouth. I Listen. I to know what this is all about. You're not dealing with any two-penny shyster, Warren. I'll slash this across the front page of the planet and have you run out of office. Now, take it easy, Mr. White. You're not young anymore. Excitement isn't helping. Who, 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 who's not young? Don't you look at my gray hair. I didn't get him from age. I got him from aggravation. Yes, aggravation. Every time one of you adult-painted public officials pulls a boner like this, I get more gray hair. Now, where's Clark Kent? I demand his immediate release. I told you, I've already sent for him. Then why in the name of heaven did you arrest him in the first place? What's he done? I'm not certain he's done anything, Mr. White. He was apprehended for questioning. Apprehended for questioning. With Metropolis overrun with gangsters, racketeers, petty chiselers, and gamblers, you've got nothing else to do but apprehend a newspaper man for questioning. I think you're going a little too far, Mr. White. I'll go as far as I like and further. You can't fight me. You can't... Hello, Chief. Well, fancy meeting you here. Uh, that'll be all, Mr. What's the meaning of this? Why did you pack this fumbling... Now, just a moment, Mr. White. I'll ask the question. Done, Kent. Thank you. Now, I'll make this as brief as possible, since I realize Mr. White is a busy man. You're darn tootin' I am. Kent, early last night you visited a woman at the city hospital. A woman we believe to be Catherine Roble. Yes, and I was with him. Her husband shot her in the back. Please, Mr. White, let me handle it. Is that true, Kent? Yeah, quite true. According to the hospital report, the woman had been calling your name and you were summoned to identify her. You did. You engaged her in conversation, then you left the hospital in a great hurry. Is that true? Uh, of course it is, and we can explain it. For the last time, Mr. White, I must ask you to stop interrupting. Oh, go pedal peanuts. The uh, information you have, Mr. Warren, is completely authentic. I did identify Mrs. Roebling. I did engage her in conversation, and I did leave the hospital in a great hurry. Why? I am not prepared to say. Kent, are you crazy? You know very well why we left the hospital. You know that... I said I'm not prepared to state my reasons. And I'll state it for you. Just a minute. Now, don't just a minute me, Kent. We left the hospital because the girl told us her husband, Jack Roping, was breaking into his uncle's house to destroy a machine worth ten million dollars. And he was the one who shot the girl. Her own husband. Is that so, Kent? I, uh, I'm not prepared to say. Are you out of your mind? What's come over you? The Homicide Division has questioned this man you mentioned, this Jack Roebling. He denies having shot his wife. As a matter of fact, Kent, he says you did it. What? Please lower your voice, Mr. White. Lower my voice? You sit there and tell me to lower my voice when you have the unadulterated gall, the amazing nerve, the, 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 the monumental crust to accuse this man of murder? Well, I'm sure Kent can speak for himself. No, go ahead. Go ahead now, Kent. I'll tell it. Tell it. Tell this high and mighty nincompoop just where he gets off. Tell him how Jack Roebling tried to steal the rights of his uncle's voice machine and then out of revenge smashed it into bits. Well, go ahead, Kent. Tell it. I'm not prepared to make any statement this time. Oh, for the love of pink turtles, am I going stark raving mad? Now perhaps you can understand why Kent was apprehended, Mr. White. And why he's being held for further questioning. Now, Kent, can't you listen to me? This so-called servant of the people is going to keep you locked up unless you snap out of it and tell him what's what. Do you want to stay in jail? 
I'm sorry, Mr. White, but I can't say anything now. Why not? I just can't. All right. All right. Run in jail for all I care. I hope they send you up for 20 years. And on top of everything else, you're fired. Well, Mr. White has a bit of a temper. I'm not interested in what Mr. White has or hasn't got. Are you going to talk, Kent, or do we have to lock you up again? I'm afraid I haven't anything to say, Mr. Warren. Okay. Monahan. Yes, sir? Take this man back to his cell. Okay. Come on, buddy. When you're ready to talk, Kent, send a message to me through the warden. I'll be glad to. Uh, Miss Carlyle, get me to the mayor's office. Yes, I want to speak to you first. Uh, close the door, Lois, so we won't have to shout over the racket those typewriters are making. Oh, good idea. I don't know why I left it open. Yeah, that's better. Now, as I was saying, Kent has lost his mind. You mean what little he had to lose? Uh, this is no joke, Lois. Now, I told you what happened at the DA's office. He kept repeating over and over again that he had nothing to say. Ye gods and little fishes. He knows more about that Roebling mix-up than any man on earth. Now, why didn't he open up when that fish-faced Warren practically accused him of murder? Yeah, it does seem strange. Strange? It's insane. Well, at any rate, something's got to be done about it. I couldn't get anywhere with him, and maybe you can. Go down to the city jail. Get a visitor's pass and find out from Kent what in the name of blue monkeys this is all about. But you said a moment ago that you were through with Kent, that you'd fired him. I have, but, uh, well, uh, <clears throat> well, now go on, go on, go on. Now, now do, do as I say, do as I say. Uh, what are you waiting for? Okay, Chief, on the way. Shall I give him your love? No! Hey, Mug. All right, on the wall. What do you think this is, an art gallery? Guard. Uh... Yeah? What do you want? I just wondered whether you had a prisoner named Benson in the jail. Well, what have we had? Nothing, nothing, except that I read about him in the papers and was curious to know what happened to him. Well, he's still cooped up. Two cells down from this one. Friend of yours? Oh, nothing like that. Thanks a lot. Okay. Two cells down, huh? I wonder whether he meant this side or the other side of the corridor. I'll have to ask him next time he comes by. You have five minutes, Miss Lane. Lois! Well, what brings you here? Oh, just a routine assignment. I'm doing a series called Great Jailbirds of History. Oh, definitely an assignment, Lane. Well, well, man, welcome to my, my one-room suite. I, uh, sorry, I uh, haven't had time to put up the drapes yet. And the comedy talk. Any... Look, I only have five minutes. Now, what's the big idea? Mr. White's having a French fit. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Never Norwegian one before I'm through. <laughs> what's the story? Do you like the atmosphere of this hotel? No, no, no. But I've got to be near someone who's in it. Now, look. You can do something for me. Something important. What? Number one, get all the information you can on a man named Benson, who's locked up in here now. Yeah. Find out why he was jailed, his connections, and, oh, you know, everything you can lay your hands on. Wait. Can I jot that name down? Benson. That's right. Okay. 
right, now, number two, check the files and see if you can locate some dope on a racketeer whose first name is Duke. The chances are you'll find some clips in the, in the morgue at the office. This bird might be a, a big shot in the rackets. What's only for? I can't tell you now, Lois, but it's important, believe me. Now, wait a minute, Sherlock Holmes. I'm a newspaper reporter, too. Remember? I work for the Daily Planet. Now, look. There's a story in all this mumbo-jumbo you've been going through, and you can't write it because you prefer sitting in jail. I should do it. There isn't any story. Not yet. But there may be. A big one. Sorry, but you'll have to give me more information than just a couple of names. Benson and Duke. I'm not an errand girl. You can trust me, Lois. Yeah, as far as I can throw the Statue of Liberty. I know just what'll happen. I'll run my legs off digging up facts for you, and you'll get all the credit. Uh-uh. Nothing new. All right, I'll tell you. Now, look. There's a man named Benson in jail here. I don't know what crime he committed or, or why they're keeping him here, but he's here. That much you told me a moment ago. Wait a minute, not so loud. This man, Benson, is about to be murdered. You've been reading too many detective story books, Clark. No, this is on the level. That's why I want you to check on Duke. He was the one who arranged to have Benson rubbed out by drawing lots. The assignment fell to a bird they call Curly. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the job was pulled tonight. Not so fast. How can anybody pull a job like that if, if Benson is here in jail? That's the very reason I didn't talk my way out of staying behind bars. I wanted to be here, on the spot, if anything's going to happen. And what, pray tell, could you do, locked up? No, oh, I don't know, but at least I have an eyewitness story. It all sounds a little muddled to me, but... I'll try and dig up something on Benson and Jude. Good girl. What'll I do with it if and when I get it? Bring it here. Okay. Still got a minute. How long do you plan keeping this perfectly charming cell? Oh, you like it? You'll be here for any length of time. I'll send you a vacuum cleaner. Oh, thanks, but I don't think I'll need it. My maid comes in every morning and dusts thoroughly. Don't tell me you're going to sleep on that bed. Well, what's the matter with it? The mattress is a trifle lumpy, but it has good strong springs. Look, I'll lift the mattress up and show you. There we are. What's the matter? Look. Attached to one of the springs. What is it? A dictograph. Lois, someone's been listening to every word I said. Who planted the dictograph under the mattress of Clark Kent's jail cell bed? Who has been eavesdropping on the dangerously confidential information he gave Lois concerning the plot against Benson's life? Something's on the fire and it looks exciting, so don't miss a single episode. Listen in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with... Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. <laughs> 
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Arrested for having been involved in the shooting of Catherine Roebling... Clark Kent refuses to clear himself with the district attorney, preferring to remain in jail. But there's a method in Kent's seeming madness. Having heard over Dr. Roebling's voice machine that a man named Benson, a prisoner in the jail, has been marked for murder, Kent decides to remain on the spot. However, Editor Perry White, enraged at his star reporter's apparently insane behavior, sends Lois Lane to the jail to talk him out of it. But instead, Kent tells Lois the truth and asks her to get him some information about Benson and about a racketeer named Duke, responsible for the plot against Benson's life. As Lois is about to leave the cell, Kent discovers a dictograph hidden under the mattress of his bed. Listen. Are you sure that's what it is? Positive. Someone's been listening to every word I said. Well, the free performance is over. I just ripped the wire out of the microphone. Yeah. Yeah, does it? You better beat it, Lois, before they decide to hold you, too. Shh. Here comes the guard. Your five minutes is up, Miss Lane. I'm ready. Well, bye, Clark. Bye. I hope everything turns out all right. Oh, I'm sure it will, Lois. Thanks for coming to see me. Bye. So long. Remember me to Mr. White. I've got to get out of here before they start questioning me about my connection with Benson. That dictograph put a slight crimp in my plan, but I think I can rectify it. Uh, I guess that window up there is the best bet. Only three bars to bend. Superman shouldn't have too much trouble with them. One, two, and three. I guess I can squeeze through that opening. I'll bend the bar straight again once I get out. Uh-oh, someone's coming. Probably for me. I'd better beat it. In a hurry, up we go. Ah, it's a tight squeeze, all right. There. I'm out. Now to bend the bars back fast. That does it. Now, up, up, and away! Here's the cell, Monahan. Why, it's empty. Empty? You're crazy. But look at it. Now, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. I'll open up. Come on from under that bed. There's nobody under the bed. The cell's empty. He busted out. Ring the alarm bell. Hurry. Close all cell blocks. Prisoner escape. Close all cell blocks. Prisoner escape. Get the mayor, get the police commissioner, get my lawyers. I don't care who you get first, just get them. Uh, wait a minute. What's happened to my call to the district attorney? What? He's on the wire now. Okay. Hello. Now look, Warren, I'm tired of fooling around with you. Yes, yes, this is Perry White. I don't have to curb my temper. It's mine and I can do as I please with it. Now you listen to me for a change. What kind of a game do you think you're playing? 
First you toss Kent into jail, and now you're holding Lois Lane. If you think I'm going to stand by and let you pull things like that, you're crazy. What's that? Kent escaped two minutes ago. Broke out of jail. Well, Warren, <laughs> that's the richest thing I ever heard. A newspaper reporter breaking out of your escape-proof jail. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Kent. Uh, goodbye, Warren. Uh, I'll deal with you later. Close that door, you... You hold them. What's all the excitement, Mr. White? I'm going crazy here, and you ask what's all the excitement. Now, how did you get out of jail? I walked out. What do you mean you walked out? Okay, I broke out. Then Warren wasn't kidding. You did escape. Well, I suppose you could call it that, technically. Now, Kent, I can't stand much more of this. What in the name of flying fishes is all this about? Why are they holding Lois Lane incommunicado? And why won't they let anyone talk to her? Afraid of that. You were afraid of what? Am I an office boy around here? Am I supposed to find out things when they appear in the paper, or what were you afraid of? Why are they holding Lois? Why did you refuse to tell the district attorney your connection with the Roblin case? Well, it's a long story, Mr. White. I don't care if it takes ten years to tell. Out with it. Yes? I have the mayor for you, Mr. White. I don't want the mayor. But you said... I don't care what I said. All right, Kent. Start talking. I don't know whether I should, Mr. White. If you recall, you fired me just before you left the district attorney's office ah, this morning. don't be a fool, Kent. Well, after all, if I'm not in your employ, why You I... are in my employ. I'll give you a raise. I'll make you editor-in-chief. I'll do anything. But for the love of pink elephants, tell me what this is all about. Okay. I'll make it as brief as possible. You remember when you left Dr. Roebling's house, his voice machine was pretty well smashed up? Well, he repaired it during the night. And early this morning, we tested it. By a strange quirk of fate... As Clark Kent recounts the swiftly moving events of the past few hours... The two men about whom he is talking, Duke and Curly, are meeting in a small private office above the Swan Club. The thick steel door is locked and bolted, and the soundproof walls and ceiling impart a strange hush to their voices. Everything was all set. You toss a brick through the window of a store on State Street, let yourself get nabbed, and the next thing you know, you'll be in the cell right opposite Benson. It's as easy as all that. Yeah, but how do I get out once I pull the job? Don't worry about that. It's all right for you to tell me not to worry. Everything's set, didn't you hear me? Yeah, I know, but suppose something don't click. Suppose the works get jammed. They won't get jammed. Leave it to the big guy. I'd feel better if I knew who the big guy was, Duke. Much better. Nobody cares how you feel. You got a job and you do it, that's all. Yeah, I know, but... If you don't want to do it, we can find someone else. Oh, it ain't that, Duke. I'll do it, but... Of course, if we have to find someone else, I don't know how the big guy will feel about you... Chances are he'll figure you can't be trusted. And kind of make plans to see that you don't spill anything. Oh, I never said nothing about not doing it, Duke. You, you know I didn't. Okay. Now, you got everything straight. Yeah. I toss a brick through the window of a stall on State Street, get nabbed and show up in a cell opposite Benson. Then what? Then I give it to him and I don't have to worry about getting out. Now you're talking, Curly. Hello? What? The same price symbols was yesterday. Okay, Chief. Yeah. Yeah? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Right. Forget what I told you, Curly. You mean about busting the window and getting nabbed? Yeah. Someone got wise, so we're switching plans. They're transferring Benson to the state prison at 9 o'clock tonight. Hey, that makes it tough, don't it? No, it makes it easy. You and Spud take the sedan, park somewhere near the jail, and when the car carrying Benson comes out, tail it. There's a nice open stretch of road on the Conway Turnpike, just before you cross the Red River Bridge. You know what to do. What's in the bag, Duke? It's way it's a cinch. Nine o'clock, huh? Yeah. 
Get there early. Yeah, sure. Let Spud drive, and you handle the iron. Okay. That's all, Curly. Hey, Duke, before I scram, could I ask you something? What? Well, maybe it ain't none of my business, but every time you talk to the big guy, you say something sounds a little nutsy. Like just now, he must ask you something, and you said the same price Thimbles was yesterday. Don't make sense. Never mind whether it makes sense or not. Well, it don't mean nothing to me, but I was just wondering because a couple of days ago, I heard you ask him what the price of wool was. You hear too much, Curly. Beat it. Yeah. Sure, I'm going. So long, Duke. So long. Probability, Mr. White, that's why they're holding Lois. The dictograph under the mattress was no doubt connected to the district attorney's office, and he heard me telling Lois about the plot to get Benson. Well, there's only one thing I've got to say. I could have given you all the information you needed if I'd known about this before. Benson was city treasurer. What? The district attorney's office nabbed him when an outside audit of his books revealed close to a million dollar shortage. You mean he stole a million dollars of the city's money? I don't know who stole it, but it's missing. Boy. As much as I dislike Warren, I must admit he hopped on it pretty fast. Now, this bird duke you've been talking about. I'm not sure, but the chances are it's Duke Renard. Who was he? Well, he used to be a small-time gambler when he got into the building racket. Warren nabbed him, too, not so long ago. Yeah? He had a hand in the contract for the new courthouse, caught supplying inferior material, and fined $85,000. Well, this all confirms my thoughts. Evidently, Duke Renard is still involved in the racket. Benson knows too much for Duke's health and the health of the man higher up. That's why they're after him. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. Where are you talking? Who? Uh, just a minute. You can't. Oh, thanks. Hello. Oh, yes, Dr. Roebling. Yes? What? You did? Oh, yes. Hold on a second, will you? I'll, I'll get a pencil and paper. Okay. Yes. Nine o'clock. Conway Turnpike. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? What's the other name? Spud? Yeah, I've got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did, eh? I see. Yes, well, thanks a lot, Dr. Roebling. Yeah. What? In jail? Oh, no, no, I... I uh, talked myself out of it. Okay, goodbye. That was Dr. Roebling. He was fooling around with his voice machine and tuned in on another conversation between Duke and Curly. Benson is being transferred from the city jail to the state prison at 9 o'clock tonight. And two of Renard's men, Curly and Spud, have been assigned to get him. Well, I'd better call Warren. Uh, get me the district attorney. No, no, wait a minute, Mr. White. Now, hold that call. Warren should know, Kent. I'd like to handle this in my own way, Mr. White. What do you mean? Let them transfer Benson and let Renard's killers try to get him. I'll be there to see that they don't succeed. Kent, are you crazy? No, but I think I can stop them. Who do you think you are? Superman? <laughs> Wouldn't Editor Perry White be amazed if he knew that Clark Kent is, in reality, Superman? But more than that, both White and Kent are in for a surprise. Whoever is behind the plot to get rid of Henry Benson is in a position to know everything. Something startling is going to happen when Benson is transferred from the city jail to the state prison, so be on hand to hear it. Listen in with Superman. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look! It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. 
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Clark Kent was arrested and placed in the city jail, he made no attempt to clear himself because he knew of a plot against the life of Henry Benson, former city treasurer, also in the jail. It was Kent's idea to remain on the spot and prevent the killing, and at the same time capture Curly, the man assigned to do the job. But following a conversation with Lois Lane in his cell, Kent discovered a dictograph hidden under his mattress. Realizing that District Attorney Warren was now aware of everything he knew concerning Benson, Kent broke out of jail as a superman. Meanwhile, Duke Renard, leader of the gang responsible for getting rid of Benson, has received new orders from someone he calls the big guy. In a room above the Swan Club, Duke gives Curly the orders. But unknown to either of them, Dr. Roebling is listening with his voice machine and immediately reports to Kent back in Editor White's office at the Daily Planet. White lifts the phone to call the district attorney, but Kent stops him, saying he wants to tackle it alone. For a moment, White looks at him, and then... Are you crazy, Kent? No. But I think I can tackle this on my own. Well, who do you think you are? Superman? Uh, well, not exactly. Oh, not exactly. Now, don't be a stupid fool. I wouldn't mess with Duke Bernard's gang of hoodlums unless I had half the police force behind me. They don't frighten me, Mr. White. I've dealt with their kind before. I know, but one bullet and the deal's over. You don't get any second chance. What was the exact conversation Dr. Roebling picked up on his voice machine? Well, he didn't give it to me word for word, but the gist of it was that Benson was being transferred from the city jail to state prison at 9 o'clock tonight. Yeah? Two of Renard's men, Curly and Spud, were assigned to see that he never reaches state prison alive. Uh-huh. They're going to stop the car Benson rides in on the Conway Turnpike just before it reaches the Red River Bridge. Yeah, and you want to tackle them alone. Ah, you're out of your mind, Kent. What? I'm calling the DA's office. No, no, wait a minute. Nothing doing. If you call the DA, Mr. White, Benson's goose is cooked. What do you mean? Just this. Benson is a marked man because someone is afraid he's going to talk. That someone is the big guy, the higher-up who gives Duke Renard orders. Mm, doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Well, all right. Now, the original plan, according to what Dr. Roebling and I heard over the voice machine, was to send Curly right into the city jail to do the job on Benson. However, suddenly someone decides to switch Benson to the state prison. Why? Well, you tell me. I will tell you. It was Warren, the district attorney, who ordered Benson transferred. After he heard me tell Lois, Benson was on the spot. After he listened in to our conversation over the dictograph. So what? Do you blame him for getting Benson out of the city jail and sending him someplace where he'd be safe? Well, after all, if anyone knows who robbed the city of that million dollars, Benson does. Dead men can't talk. Exactly. Now the question is, how did Duke Renard learn Benson is being transferred to the state prison at 9 o'clock tonight? Who tipped him off? Hmm, I never thought of that. Did the big guy tell him? If he did, who is the big guy? Kent, you don't think Warren... Well, it's happened before, hasn't it? Ninety-nine percent of city, state, and government officials are honest as the day is long. 
But every once in a while, a crooked one crops up. Ah, that's ridiculous, Kent. Warren can't have any connection with Renard. He was the one who got the indictment against Henry Benson. Well, he was the one who nabbed Bernard in that building scandal and hooked him with a fat $85,000 fine. I know, but I still don't think it's safe to tell him too much. Not until we're sure. Sure of what? Well, sure of where we stand. If I can lay my hands on either Curly or Spud or both of them, we might get some valuable information. As it is, we know that Renard uses some sort of identifying code when he talks to the big guy. You never told me about any code. Well, I just heard it once. But Dr. Roebling said he used it again this afternoon. What sort of code? I don't know yet. I haven't figured it out, but when Renard called the big guy this morning, the first thing he said was, what are you getting for fish today? Evidently, the big guy's identifying answer was all right, because Renard's next words were, okay, chief. What are you getting for fish today? Yeah. Are you sure it's code? It must be. Dr. Roebling said the call this afternoon came to Renard, and his first words were, the same price we got for thimbles yesterday. I'm beginning to think you and Roebling are ready for straitjackets. This is all on the level, Mr. White. That's why it's so important not to let any of our plans leak out, even to the district attorney. What's going on out there? I don't know. I'll see. There we are, mister. Uh, We tried to keep them out, Mr. White, but they pulled guns. Shut up. Wait a minute, you two. Just because you're wearing police uniforms, you have no right to bust in here. Uh, Oh, who are you? I'm the editor of this paper. I'm late to tell him, Joe. Right? Keep your hands off me. Hands. Oh, so you're Clark Kent. No, my name is Elmer Brown. Don't kid me. Stick out your mitts. I tell you, my name is Brown. I heard him call you Kent. Come on. Uh, Don't resist. Let him arrest us. I'll sue them from here to Singapore. I'll make them pay through the nose. You wait and see. Okay, now hike. Go ahead, Joe, and clear that gang of rubbernecks out of the way. Turn back. All right, march, you Miss two. Miss Barber, Miss Barber, call my lawyer. Tell him to meet me at the district attorney's office. Well, I don't blame you. You're just a couple of cops who have to take orders. Oh, yeah, that's a hot one, ain't it, Joe? Well, make that hot for your boss. You can bet on that. <laughs> Listen to him. You're wasting breath, Mr. White. They're not city policemen. What? No, and they're not taking us to the district attorney's office, either. We're going in the opposite direction. You ain't so dumb, Kent. But but, but why? What's the idea? Calm what down, right you... Grandpa. Who are these men, Kent? Probably two of Duke Bernard's boys. You know too much for your own good, Kent. Give us a gun, Joe. Okay. And remember, Grandpa... And you too, wise guy. I'm watching every move you make. Okay, last stop. Get out. Where are we? Never mind. Get out. Come on, Mr. White. Now, through that door up the steps. Lead the way, Joe. You follow him, Grandpa. If I didn't have these handcuffs on, I'd show you who's our Grandpa. (laughs) Yeah, bet you're handy with your dukes. But right now, get going. You'd better, Mr. White. Open the door, Joe. Come on, stop stalling. Move. Okay, inside. Here they are, Duke. Both of them. Nice work, Curly. Come in, gentlemen. Oh, so you're Curly. Yeah, I'm Curly. Any objection? That'll be enough. Get those uniforms off and wait outside, you and Spud. Okay. So long, Grandpa. Why, you dirty little... Your name's White, isn't it? Yes, and... Your clock, Kent. Sit down, both of you. I prefer standing. I said sit down. I guess you know who I am. 
I'm warning you, Renard. You're carrying things too far. I'm not a cheap politician who can be reached with a few dollars. I know your kind. But... You can't tell me to shut up. Shut up or I'll jam your tongue down your throat. Around here, I give the orders. Understand? Don't argue with him, Mr. White. No, it ain't smart. All right, but there'll be a reckoning. And when there is, you'll pay and pay heavily. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. What do you want with us, Renard? Nothing much. I just like your company. You might as well come out with it. I said I just like your company. You're going to sit with me until maybe 10, 10.30 tonight. Oh, I see. What do you see? Uh-huh. We're going to sit with you until 10 or 10.30. You figure it'll take about an hour or an hour and a half. What'll take an hour, an hour and a half? A little job, your engineering. Yes. A little job of murder. <laughs> Both you wise guys got good imaginations. You've been going to the movies too much. It ain't healthy. What you're doing isn't healthy either. Never mind about me. I can take care of myself. Now, just relax. You just wait until I get out of here. Just wait. I'll run you and your hoodlums out of town if it's the last thing I do. Relax, brother. Relax. You've got a long wait. Have I? You might be mistaken. I don't think so. Not this time. Today? Today is Friday. And if you're not behind bars by Sunday, I'll eat my hat. <laughs> well, you better start chewing, pal. What time is it, Renard? Five o'clock. You've got a good long stretch ahead of you. Now, this wouldn't have happened if your nose wasn't so long. Oh, you're right. And it wouldn't have happened if you weren't doing somebody else's dirty work. That's my business, mister. Yeah, and it's bad business, Renard. You're just a sucker. Watch what you're saying. You know it as well as I do. You're a sucker for the big guy. Shut up. You'll take the rap if anything happens. The big guy won't. I said shut up. You'll go to the chair for murder. All right, you asked for it. Now, will you keep that big mouth shut, or do I have to smack you around a little? <laughs> Too bad we're not in this room alone, Renard. Just you and I. You wouldn't be so free with your hands. You talk big, blabbermouth. At least he's not a yellow dog. He doesn't hit a man whose wrists are handcuffed. That's enough out of you. You're lower than a snake's belt. I said that's enough out of you. You see this little gadget? It's a blackjack. One tap behind the ear and you're out for a long time. Don't say anything, Mr. White. I'm not going to sit here and take his foul abuse. I don't think we'll be sitting here very long. Oh, no? No. I just happened to think of something. Do you mind if I send a friend of mine a message, Renard? Are you nuts? No. No, just hopeful. You can listen to the message. Dr. Roebling. Huh? Dr. Roebling, this is Clark Kent. A man named Duke Renard is holding Mr. White and myself prisoners... What's this? ...on the second floor of a frame house located at 10th Street and Marlowe Avenue. This guy's crazy. Dr. Roebling, a man named Duke <laughs> Renard is holding... Gambling on the chance that Dr. Roebling is listening in on his voice machine, Kent, to the amusement of Duke Renard, sends the inventor an urgent message. The odds are against Roebling picking up the message, but unless he does, Kent will have to devise another method of escape without revealing himself as Superman. Either way, there's bound to be excitement, so listen in. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. 
You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Lured to the hideout of Duke Renaud by two men masquerading as police officers... Clark Kent and editor Perry White find themselves handcuffed prisoners in a dingy room on the outskirts of Metropolis. Renard, on orders from someone higher up known as the Big Guy, has plotted the killing of Henry Benson, former city treasurer, jailed for a million-dollar shortage. Benson is to be transferred from the city jail to the state prison at 9 o'clock tonight. Two of Duke Renard's men, Curly and Spud, have been assigned to stop the car carrying Benson and get rid of him to keep him from talking. Both Kent and White are aware of the plot, but through some mysterious channel, Renard has been informed of their knowledge and plans to hold them until after the job is done. Kent, unable to act as Superman because of Perry White's presence, is forced to submit to temporary imprisonment. However, on the slim chance that his inventor friend, Dr. Walter Roebling, has his amazing voice machine tuned into the location of Renard's hideout, Kent sends him a message. Listen. Dr. Roebling? Dr. Roebling! <laughs> Mr. White and I are being held prisoners on the second floor of a frame house at 10th Street and Marlowe Avenue. Inform the police at once. Well, you're nuts, Ken. Who do you think you're talking to? I get this way every once in a while, you <laughs> I have hallucinations. What do you got? Hallucinations. He thinks he's a radio station. Yes, that's it. I'm a radio station. Oh, yeah, I see. You're a radio station. Yes. You're, you're broadcasting. Uh-huh. Huh? Yes, I, I like to broadcast. Well, go ahead. Have a good time, but not too loud. The neighbors don't like nobody to broadcast too loud. Oh, no, I won't broadcast too loud. <laughs> Dr. Roebling? Dr. Roebling? Who is this guy, Dr. Roebling? Does he like to broadcast too? No, he receives. Oh, yeah, when you broadcast, he listens in. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where is this guy, Dr. Roebling? Oh, miles from here. But when you broadcast like this, he can hear you, can't he? <laughs> he can if he's listening. Oh, yeah, of course he's listening. Go ahead, broadcast. <laughs> All right. Dr. Roebling, Mr. White and I are being held prisoners by a man named Duke Renard. We are on the second floor of a frame house. How many times do you have to broadcast that? Oh, well, maybe 20 times, maybe 100. You see, I can't tell when he'll begin listening. Oh, I get it. He ain't always tuned into your broadcasting station, is he? Oh, of course not. (laughs) What's so funny? Oh, wait a minute, Ken. I want to get Curly to hear you broadcast. (laughs) Hey, Curly! Yeah, boss? Come come in a minute. Well, what's up? Good Ken here is broadcasting. He's what? Yeah, he's a radio station, Curly. Go ahead, Ken. Show, show Curly how you how you broadcast. Uh, don't do it, Ken. They're just making fun of you. Oh, come on, Ken. Curly will go for it, big. Be a good guy. Show him how you broadcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Dr. Roebling, this is Clark Kent talking. Listen to this, Curly. Mr. White and I are being held prisoners on the second floor of a frame house at 10th Street and Marlowe Avenue. Notify the police at Ain't once. Is that something, Curly? I don't get it, though. You don't get it. That's the radio station. He's broadcasting. Oh! 
Unaware that Clark Kent is attempting to establish contact with Dr. Roebling's voice machine, an amazing instrument capable of picking up sound waves no matter where created, Duke Renard, suspecting Kent of being mentally unbalanced, urges him to repeat the message over and over again. Meanwhile, at District Attorney Warren's office, Perry White's lawyers are still demanding attention. Now what? Mr. White's lawyers are still waiting, Mr. Warren. I told you, they can wait until doomsday. But they say unless you produce Mr. White immediately, they'll get a rid of habeas corpus. Well, how can I produce him if I don't know where he is? Did you tell them the police of this city have no knowledge of his arrest? Yes, but... All right, tell them to find him and bring him to me. Then I'll produce him. Yes, Mr. Warren, I'll tell them. Monaghan. Yes, sir? Get Miss Lane. Bring her here. Yes, sir. Uh, Miss Carroll. Yes, Mr. Warren. Come in here. I want you to take some notes. Yes, sir. Uh, Miss Carroll, Monaghan is bringing Miss Lane up. You know who she is, don't you? Yes, a reporter on the Daily Planet. She knows about Kent breaking out of jail, but she hasn't heard the latest development. The story of the two phony cops who arrested Kent and quite the editor. Frankly, I don't believe that, Mr. Warren. I mean, the story... Sounds like typical newspaper stuff. Yes, you may be right. But at any rate, I'm going to question this Lane girl, and you make notes of all her answers. Oh, no, no. Oh, she comes now. Oh, sit down, Miss Lane. Thank you. That'll be all, Monaghan. Yes, sir. This is my secretary, Miss Carroll. How do you do? How do you do? When did this farce end, Mr. Warren? The moment we're sure it's a farce, not a serious matter. Perhaps you're ready to tell me how Kent knew about a plot against Henry Benson's life. For the tenth time, I know as much about it as you do. We both heard what Kent said. I heard it personally, and you heard it through that planted dictograph. But I didn't hear enough. If somebody was plotting to get rid of Benson before we could get him to talk, where did a newspaper reporter come by the information? We get around. Yes, perhaps a little too much. That's a matter of opinion. Well, there are some things that aren't a matter of opinion. And one of them is that you and your partner, Kent, are heading for trouble and plenty of it. In fact, both Kent and your editor, Perry White, have already disappeared. Really? Yes, really. Two men posed as police officers, drove off with both Kent and White. They haven't been heard from since. Are you trying to pull a fast one? Not at all, Miss Lane. Will you let me talk to Mr. White's secretary? Of course. Here's the phone. Just ask for the number. Metropolis 3500, please. When did this happen? About an hour ago. And you say two phony police... Uh, Miss Barber, please. Lois Lane speaking. Yes, two men dressed in police uniforms. According to the information received from your office. Hello, Anne. This is Lois. What happened? Yes. Yes. Both of them? Oh, I see. No, no, I'm still at the district attorney's office. Well, I don't know. Yes, I'll call you. Okay. Well, Miss Lane? You're right. Well, my being right doesn't help the situation. To begin with, Kent is a fugitive from justice, an escaped prisoner. That's a lot of nonsense. You know he had nothing to do with the girl's being shot. Her husband did it. Fortunately for Kent, the husband confessed late this afternoon. But that doesn't excuse Kent's breaking out of jail. Now, where is he? And where is Perry White? If I knew, Mr. Warren, I wouldn't be sitting here. You seem to forget that you're under arrest, Miss Lane. That's a lot of nonsense, too. I'm afraid it's a lot more serious than you believe. As a matter of fact, you won't be released until you explain how Kent learned an attempt was going to be made to wipe out Henry Benson. I told you I don't know. That doesn't ring true, Miss Lane. I don't care how it rings. Now, look. Are you going to sit there asking me ridiculous questions instead of doing something about finding Mr. White and Mr. Kent? Where do you think they are? 
Would you really like to know? Naturally. I wonder. What do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. Miss Lane, if you have anything to say, I'd advise you to say it. Anything I might have to say, Mr. Warren, would be quite personal. I doubt very much whether your secretary would be concerned. I'll leave if you wish, Mr. Warren. Stay right where you are, Miss Carroll. Like all newspaper reporters, Miss Lane is merely bluffing. Oh, I am, am I? All right. You ask for it, you'll get it. You know where Mr. White and Mr. Kent are. You know exactly where they are. That story of two men dressed up in police uniforms doesn't hold water. Detective book stuff. What are you talking about? You and your staff were the only ones who knew Clark Kent had broken out of jail. Naturally, you figured he'd go right to the Daily Planet office, so you sent two policemen to pick him up. And while they were at it, they arrested Mr. White. I've already told you, Miss Lane, the Metropolis Police Department had nothing to do with that incident. Absolutely nothing. Miss Carroll, you checked with Commissioner Blaine, didn't you? Yes, Mr. Warren. What did he tell you? He said there was no record of any arrests made at the Daily Planet office. Thank you. That doesn't prove anything. If you weren't responsible for arresting them, who was? Miss Lane, if I knew the answer to that question, a great deal of your time and my time would be saved. Unfortunately, I don't. Take that, Miss Carroll. Mm-hmm. Mr. Warren's office? Yes. Yes, just a moment. Police Commissioner Blaine. Oh, thank you. Hello, Commissioner. Yes. What's that? Well, that sounds like a crack, doesn't it? Oh, I see. He mentioned her name, did he? Well, she's right here in my office. Hold on a minute. You know a Dr. Roebling, Miss Lane? Dr. Roebling? Why, why, yes, he's an inventor. Commissioner, yes. Yes, she knows him. Oh, naturally not. I see. Well, I imagine the safest thing to do is to send a couple of squad cars down. I'll go along in case there's anything to it. Right by. Who is this Dr. Roebling, Miss Lane? An inventor. He just called police headquarters and said he'd received a message from Kent. On his voice machine. What was that? Uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, the message said that Kent and White were being held on the second floor of a building at 10th Street and Marlowe Avenue. He's probably just a crank, Mr. Warren. Yes, I mentioned that to Blaine, but he didn't seem to think so. If Dr. Roebling said he got a message, he got it. Well, what are you waiting for? You're really not going to waste any time on it, are you, Mr. Warren? Well, I might as well check it. Call the garage, have a car brought around. Yes, Mr. Warren. Is there anything else? No, that's all. Thank you. I'm afraid that you'll have to go back to the detention pen, Miss Lane. Well, why can't I go with you? After all, I am a reporter. I know, but if this lead is reliable, there may be trouble. Serious trouble. According to Dr. Roebling, the message said Kent and White were being held by Duke Renard. And he's dangerous. That doesn't frighten me. I'm sorry, Miss Lane, but women and bullets don't mix. Mr. Warren, you're not being honest with me. That isn't the reason you won't let me go along with you, and I want to know the reason. Well? Well, this smacks of mystery, doesn't it? It looks like Dr. Roebling's amazing voice machine has proven its usefulness once again. The stage is all set for the police to close in on the frame house at 10th and Marlowe. Will there be the serious trouble the district attorney anticipates, or will there be something even more startling? Anything can happen now, so don't miss the next episode. Tune in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature 
appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!